Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning Five here on Wednesday, December 18th, 2019, better known as National Signing Day. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, let's get right into it. They're going to sign, the Buckeyes will sign at least 23, hopefully 24 today. They are waiting on Clark Phillips, who will make his announcement tomorrow between Ohio State and Utah. They're waiting on Cam Martinez, who's now going to wait probably till February, what is now the late signing period. And of course, they're waiting for quarterback CJ Stroud, who will announce today. At 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPNU. Again, 12.30 Eastern Time, ESPNU. And then Ryan Day will meet with the media at 1 o'clock here in Columbus. Uh, that, that schedule works out pretty well. Stroud makes his announcement at 12.30, Ryan Day at 1 o'clock. Hmm, that sounds good. But, uh, Bax, just your – let's start with C.J. Stroud, then we'll work back to Clark Phillips and Cam Martinez. Uh, I mean, it sounds good for C.J. Stroud. There's a little drama today, but I feel like Stroud's going to be a Buckeye. Where are you at? Yeah, I think this is the, the timing of the way this has ended makes me very confident he's going to end up in scarlet and gray. Well, let's look at it. His, his, his last home, in home was with Ryan Day. Then he ended up coming to campus right on the heels of that. All that stuff lines up really nicely for OSU to have had the last shot, have made their argument for him. And candidly, if you're looking at the three programs he's a finalist with, you've got that school up north, you've got Georgia, and you've got Ohio State. Who in the world? would pick the other two over OSU based on recent quarterback development. I mean, just look at Justin Fields. He went to Georgia. He's, he got stuck behind a guy in Jake Fromm who is – the NFL scouts seem to think is good, but anybody who watches college football will tell you he's not. And Fields comes to Ohio State and throws 40 touchdowns against one interception. I know which offense is more exciting. I know which head coach is more dynamic. And, by the way, I know where I'm going to have just as much opportunity as I will anywhere else, and that's at Ohio State. But School of North is losing Shea Patterson, so you're, you've likely got McCaffrey as the guy taking over there next year. Uh, Frome at this point, you know, look, Georgia's going to open up next year too. They've got a couple guys on the roster. If Straub really thinks he's going to start as a true freshman, maybe that's your pitch for those places. But here you have one year till Justin Fields is gone, and then you're going to be competing for the starting job with your classmate in Jack Miller and maybe some other true freshman in Kyle McCord next in a year from now. So to me, Stroud coming to Ohio State makes a world of sense. There's no geographic constraints that would worry you because he's a California kid coming east. I think Stroud's a Buckeye. And the good news is we're going to find out very uh, very shortly. And by the way, Ryan Day wouldn't have scheduled his press conference for immediately after Stroud's announcement if he wasn't extremely confident that he was going to go OSU's way. Because otherwise, you know, if this drags out and then he picks Georgia and Ryan Day is just walking on stage, he's going to have to answer a lot of awkward questions. So – I assume OSU thinks he's in as well. 
All right, Cam Martinez um, is looking at Northwestern now, and they're promising him, you know, you can do this and that, you can play on both sides of the ball, and, you know, good on them. I think Cam Martinez, even though his rating has gone up a lot, I still think he's underrated. I love his film. Um, you know, and obviously he was close with Jeff Halfley, and he feels like Halfley, um, you know, had a, a role for him. But, uh, I mean, Ryan Day's not going to change that. Whoever he brings in, I'm sure, is going to have the same vision for Cam Martinez. What do you think is going to happen with Cam Martinez? Do you think he just has cold feet here and he's going to be a Buckeye in the end, or are you concerned the Buckeyes are going to miss out on him? Well, he's not really enrollee. And if he's not an early enrollee, isn't the prudent decision to wait and make sure you have all the answers you need on your future? Uh, I don't necessarily blame him, uh, particularly because he was told by Jeff Halfley how he was going to be utilized. Halfley doesn't recruit Michigan, but Halfley came in and had a personal touch on Cam Martinez that Martinez clearly appreciated. Uh, Truth is, uh, you know, Bill Green was saying this, and uh, condolences to Bank, by the way, on the passing of his mom. But he was saying last week or earlier this week that he was worried about Cam Martinez and Northwestern because Northwestern was selling him on being able to play both ways and that OSU, he was going to get lost in the shuffle. So Martinez is waiting to find out who the new coach is. And, look, if that's my kid, and I've said this in the past, you know, we all want every recruit that Ohio State wants to be a Buckeye and quit having cold feet, yada, 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 yada. But if that's my kid and he's not trying to enroll in the first week of January – I'm probably telling him, hey, let's let's just wait and see. Make sure you're comfortable with the new guy who's coming in and make sure that it is absolutely the right choice for you in a class where there's going to be five defensive backs and uh, a class where there's four elite receivers, you know. He's a kid who could get lost in the shuffle with all that other talent coming in unless there's a clear plan for him like there clearly was with Jeff Halfley. I don't think he wants to decommit. I think he's just being prudent, and I, I can't judge the kid for that. In fact, it's kind of smart. So Ohio State brings in a defensive coordinator who Martinez isn't comfortable with or kind of gives him a milk toast kind of answer, then maybe he's not going to come here. Maybe he's going to say, look, I can go to Northwestern and be a stud right away. I, I, I know that's not the answer that everybody necessarily wants, but it's more than just, hey, sign with Ohio State, recruit. And I think he's a great recruit. I think he could be one of the gems of this class. I love that a kid from Michigan's not considering any of the Michigan schools and is considering OSU. Uh, but if he's not enrolling early, what's the rush? That's kind of the bottom line here. I still think Ohio State has a fantastic chance to land him. And if this was the rules that we had just three years ago, this wouldn't be a debate. We'd be saying, okay, well, you know, we've just got to re-solidify Martinez before February. But with everybody signing early now, you know, it, it's a whole different ball game. The downside of these late waivers that you're seeing, like with Phillips and Martinez, is is that you have a lot more, I don't know, uh, scraps, I guess, left over. I hate to use the word scraps. Good news that the Michigan board covered themselves in glory with the offensive line scraps thread a few years ago. But you don't have as many flip targets because a lot of kids are locked in already. It's not like Urban used to do where he was like, okay, let's see, I'm going to flip you now, right? Ohio State's targets are more limited if some of your wavering guys end up going elsewhere after the early signing period or uh, surprising you like Clark Phillips may. So that's the downside here, but I do think Ohio State has a great chance of keeping Cam Martinez. Yeah, I'm with you. I think in the end he will be in this class, um, and I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's prudent what he's doing, just taking his time. He's not going to enroll early anyway. 
Make sure he likes the new defensive coordinator. I still think he'll be a Buckeye. Clark Phillips, I don't know where I come down on this, Bax. I'm curious to get your take on this. Uh, another guy that you know loves Jeff Halfley and you know now – I guess he always kind of liked Utah. Clark Phillips did, and then Ohio State came in and just, you know, just won him over. And uh, he's another guy I think, you know, just kind of wants to see who the new defensive coordinator is. I have a feeling Ryan Day knows exactly who it is, and he's telling recruits, obviously off the record, who it's going to be. That's just my take. I bet Clark Phillips knows. Clark Phillips is going to make his announcement tomorrow. It's his birthday, so we have a little drama tomorrow. Um, what do you What do you come down on this? What do you think Clark Phillips is going to do tomorrow? I think Clark Phillips is going to be a Buckeye, and here's why. Maybe I'm being that biased guy I just said not to be when you're talking about recruiting, but in no way, shape, or form does Utah compare to Ohio State when it comes to the development of defensive backs and overall sending guys to the league. Utah's a fine program. We saw them this year win the Pac-12 South. But it's not Ohio State when it comes to terms of, uh, of national exposure, development, and competition to be – an elite-level defensive back. Look at Ohio State's current backfield. You've got Sean Wade, Damon Arnett, and Jeff Akuda, all of which will be drafted in the case of two of those guys, likely in the first round. Utah doesn't have that. But to me, it's like, it's like saying, well, you know, I could go to this SAT prep course that's run by a bunch of professors who wrote the SAT exam, or I could go to the SAT prep class that's being run by the interns at the, the state college down the road. Of course you're going to go to the ones to the guys who are way more qualified for your end game. And I think Phillips got nervous because he liked Halfley a lot, and Halfley was the dominant reason why he came to OSU. I think this is a little bit of a lesson learned about how, guess what, if you have elite coaches, sometimes they're going to move on. And I think Phillips felt like he should have given Utah a shot once Halfley wasn't there. But I think Phillips came out of the visit with Utah – high as a kite on the experience that he had. And like all recruits, recency bias is a thing. They probably rolled out the red carpet for him. And as he's gotten home and he's had time to talk to OSU, I think he's calmed down and gotten a little more rational about it. It's not like Utah's exactly close for him either, right? Yes, it's theoretically closer, you know, but it's not like his parents are going to get in a car and drive up to Salt Lake City. He's still a long way from freaking Utah. So the geographic proximity here, it's not like USC's coming in or something and he's considering them. I think that at the end of the day, this is sort of an emotional decision uh, for a kid who is jamming a lot in at the last minute to something he thought was set. And I also think, like you, Dave, Ryan Day knows exactly what's going on here. And there are certain... Uh, restrictions on why it can't be made public before this early signing day. I think Ryan Day is telling these recruits what his plan is. And in the end of the day, I think Clark Phillips is going to be a Buckeye because it purely doesn't make sense if he chose to do something else like go to Utah. It's not like it's USC. It's not like it's Alabama. It's not like it's Oklahoma. It's not like it's an elite program. Uh, and it's not like it's a proximate thing. I know a lot of people are comparing this to Darnay Holmes a few years ago where Everybody was shocked that he went to a program that was relatively at a bum level like UCLA compared to OSU. And by the way, that's a kid I think who probably would tell you he made the wrong choice considering that he's, I believe, transferring after three years. So I think Clark Phillips is going to end up being a Buckeye because too many things make sense for him to stay with his Ohio State commitment. 
versus flipping to a frankly lesser program. Let's focus on the guys that we know are going to sign in this class. What a class this is. Number four class in the country, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite. At least 23 will sign today. Like we said, could be 24. Probably will be 24 with C.J. Stroud. I mean, obviously starting right at the top backs. So the best wide receiver class, perhaps. We'll see how it pans out, but perhaps the Buckeyes have ever signed. Four wide receivers in this class. We're talking four of the top 15 wide receivers in the country, including the number one wide receiver in the nation, Julian Fleming. What a wide receiver class. Great job by Brian Hartline. Yeah, this is an unreal receiver class. It's like, it's it, this is like video game recruiting. And I, I love to make this comparison because normally we're like, dude, this isn't the old NCAA video games where you pick all the five stars and you put all your recruiting minutes on them and you win them because you're Ohio State, right? No, it doesn't normally work like that. You don't normally go to the Washington State, and Texas, and, you know, Penn State country, Pennsylvania, and steal the best kids from underneath all those places' noses. But that's what OSU's done with these with these kids. I mean, you have four guys in the top or 15, and all of them, all of them look like you could be elite impact guys. And by the way, you know what else I really love about it is? is look, at, look at the way that some of them have risen in the rankings, even after their lofty rankings initially. Uh, you know, you, Jackson Smith-Nigba, and for, forgive me if I mispronounced his name. I'll get it right once he gets on campus. But he was a kid who was you know, barely around the top 100. Now he's the last kid who's not a five-star. I mean, this is a kid who, if you watched his video from the playoffs, was insane. He went from, in my mind, a really good prospect to every bit the level of Fleming and Scott. And, you know, nobody's even talking about Mookie Cooper because of what happened at his high school this year. Okay, cool. Get him on campus early. Get him in, into the system. Let, let's, let's go. This wide receiver class is off the charts good. And, honestly, you have to be so impressed with Heartline. There's a guy who is worth his weight in gold, that's for sure. Because at this point, Heartline is rapidly shaping up to be the best wide receiver coach in America. <laughs> And it's great. He's the number one uh, recruiter in the country, according to 24-7 Sports. I love that. Uh, number three is Jeff Halfley. Um, it's too bad they're losing Halfley, but, you know, I, I, I get it, I guess. You know, I was, I was hoping he'd stay for one more year, but I get it. Um, just going down this class again. So wide receiver is obviously the premier position in this class. Not too far behind backs is offensive line. I mean, they did a great job with offensive linemen in this class. They're signing six of them, including the number one offensive lineman in the nation, number one offensive tackle, Paris Johnson. What a great O-line class. Uh, quantity and quality with six of them. This is an interesting O-line class because it reminds me a little bit of the Meyer approach, but it's combined with the Trestle approach because you have a couple Ohio guys that if you look them just by ranking, they wouldn't normally be the kids OSU would look at, right? But look at some of the Ohio, quote, projects that Trestle brought in over the years, and they turned out to be pretty darn good. People forget Nick Mangold was a two-star recruit. So I love that they went for some of the elite-level guys. Obviously, a guy like Paris Johnson in your backyard is one you just can't turn down, plain and simple. But, you know, Greg Sidrawa must have seen something in some of these guys that maybe aren't considered to be composite four-stars here in Ohio. Uh, that that led him to go after them early. I know there's a lot of talk about Trey LaRue because it was Purdue was really hard on him and OSU had to make a decision early, and they did. And he's the lowest-rated kid that's a position player in this class. But we have a track record with offensive linemen of 
Some of them take a little while to develop from Ohio, and they turn out to be pretty darn good players. And when you needed numbers, it's okay to reach in a year like this, I guess. And, you know, if that sounds like we're justifying what they did, then so be it. But Stud knew he needed kids in this class. We needed bodies in this offensive line class, plain and simple. And they went out and they got some elite-level kids, the, the Johnsons and Whipplers of the world, right? But they also went out and they got some kids from Ohio that, hey, they may turn out to be pretty darn good football players too. It's not like we haven't found very good results with Ohio three stars in the past. So I love the, the sheer numbers in this class. I think that's a good thing for the offensive line. But, you know, it's, it's, this has been a good bounce back year for Greg Stoudrawa. We talked about how Brian Hartline was having uh, one of the best years we could imagine in recruiting, and that's certainly been the case, no question about it. Uh, Stoudrawa sort of redeemed himself a little bit this year not just with the performance of the team on the field, but also with his performance in recruitment. I mean, and if some of these guys turn out to be better players maybe than people expected, the, if Jacob James or Trey LaRue come out and end up being elite-level kids and exceed their recruiting expectations, it's only a notch in his cap. Um, and I, I think that's a really good thing. But I, I want to ask you a question, Dave, because there's one kid in this class that really has me excited, and I think that the uh, – the coaching staff is the same way. And I'm really excited about Mitchell Melton. I think this guy could turn out to be an absolute stud who's way underrated. If you're telling me there's 18 better players in the state of Maryland after watching that kid, I don't know what the state of Maryland's producing this year. And they need pass rushers. And, you know, he can provide that. He can do a lot of stuff out there. I, I agree with you. He's definitely underrated. And I love that they're going to stay in. I mean, they've had such good luck with recruiting the DMV. They have to keep doing that. Um, going back to offensive line just for a second, Jacob James is a guy I think is entirely underrated. He is 53rd at his position in the country, an offensive guard, 834 overall prospect in the country, 27th player in Ohio. I mean, he's from a really good program, Cincinnati Elder. I watched his film. I mean, this guy, he's physical. Uh, I really like Jacob James. I think he's underrated. Now, obviously, Trey LaRue is a guy that they're taking just because of size. They're taking a, you know, taking a chance on him, as you mentioned, six foot eight, three fifty five. Might be even bigger than that now. But I just want to remind everybody, the lowest-ranked member of last year's class, he only signed 17 kids, but the lowest-ranked member of last year's class for the Buckeyes, DeWan Jones. All six foot nine, three sixty of him, and he is playing as a true freshman and might be a starter next year, so you just never know. But, yeah, man, I agree with you about Mitchell Mellon. I'm excited about him, too. He's one of these guys that's definitely underrated. Um, to close the show, let's talk about running backs. I know a lot of fans are going to say, ah, this running back class with just Mayan Williams, it's, it's substandard. I get that. If you just look at the only, they're only going to sign one. He's a three-star. I get it. That's not the standard at Ohio State. Um, but I like, I like Mayan Williams, and they have to get a couple really good backs in their 20 21 class, there's no doubt about that. I also think backs, it helps that they got Master Teague for at least another year. Marcus Crowley was looking good before the injury. Steel Chambers looks like he's pretty good. Um, just your thoughts on Mayan Williams in this class and, you know, the fact that a lot of fans might be disappointed he's the only running back in this class. Well, you know, we wanted, obviously, some other guys. Uh, Ohio State had a commitment from B. John Robinson, and that didn't pan out the way that we quite had hoped, but at the end of the day, what what you know, there's nothing you can do about it when the the guy's family decides he has to stay closer to home and he go he follows their wishes. You can't make him magically live not in Arizona, right? So, I think it was an interesting year for running back recruiting. It in between Jalen Knighton and Bijan Robinson, it looked like it was going to be an absolute stud kind of year. That didn't end up panning out. 
And Mayan Williams was a harder get than Ohio State probably you'd think would have had with him. He's a kid who he had very strong ties to Iowa State, loved Matt Campbell, was kind of under the radar in recruiting. Oh, it's you had to do some work to get this kid, right? And that's after they had passed on some other kids in the state, Michael Drennan and that group, uh, DeMontre Trainum. So Ohio State clearly preferred him over those higher-rated guys. There's certainly something there. And we talk about Ohio three-stars. You know, I remember a class at Ohio State's three lowest-rated kids from the state of Ohio. Under Urban Meyer were guys by the name of Chris Worley, Darren Lee, and Tracy Sprinkle. That was a pretty good set of Ohio three-stars in that class. And when you have as much elite talent coming in from around the country, it's not a bad idea to mine the state of Ohio a little bit, especially in Ryan Day's first year. This is another thing I think that nobody's really talked about. Like, remember when Urban came in and everybody was like, well, you know, are you going to still take kids from Ohio? I mean, are you just going to go national? Is everybody going to be from Florida? And Urban had to, like, convince people that he did like Ohio football. He, had, he did care about the Ohio recruits. Hey, he was going to take the best kids in Ohio still, right? And Ryan Day, I think, ingratiated himself a little bit more with these Ohio coaches uh, in his first class by taking some of these, quote, lower-rated guys. You know, a guy like Ty Hamilton, well, guess what? Sure, he's, he's a lower three-star, like his brother was, who's turned out to be a stud for Ohio State. You think you don't have a good read on who Ty Hamilton is, considering his older brother's in the program? Uh, there, there's a lot of these lower three-star guys that, guess what, in a lot of other teams' classes that just don't recruit at the absolute elite Death Star level that Ohio State has been since the arrival of Urban Meyer would be totally normal, acceptable kids to have in this class that we'd be talking about. It's been a while since we've gone, man, I think this guy's way better than his ratings because almost everybody Ohio State signs is a, nearly a four-star or above. So I think Ryan Day strategically went in here to make sure Ohio coaches understood that Ohio State still cares about Ohio. And that's a good thing. That's definitely not a problem. So I think that this is, this is the way to go. And you have to be really, I guess, I think proud's the way to describe Ryan Day's first class. And to make everybody else feel better about running backs, look, we didn't get the guys we wanted this year. But Ohio State's in heavy on some big-time players next year. you got Donovan Edwards up in Michigan, who's giving Ohio State a very strong look. you got Corey Kiner, who's an Ohio guy, down at Roger Bacon in Cincinnati, which, for whatever reason, Ryan Day's managed to get six out of eight kids from the Cincinnati area this year from the Ohio ones we're getting. That's the polar opposite of the way it usually seems to be. So that's another, that's another kid Ohio State's in and hot and heavy on. So between Edwards and Kiner, you've got two local guys that are pretty high on Ohio State next year that are high-end running back recruits. And that's a good thing. And I think you're going to see next year they're going to land some high-level running back kids. And in the end, this has been a great class for Ohio State. And for Ryan Day, I think the one answer we had to have from him this year was how does he recruit? Year one has been an un bridled success and you know adding a guy like Stroud at the end holding on to Clark Phillips uh, eventually relanding Cam Martinez that's fantastic so great starting class and let's see all those signatures come in today on that fax machine great stuff from the people's champ Matt Baxendale keep it locked to Bucknuts all day Bucknutters we're going to have updates all day on the guys that have signed we have a recruiting tracker on the site right now you can see who has who already signed Again, C.J. Stroud will make his announcement at 12.30, and we will meet with Ryan Day at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center just past 1 p.m., or maybe right at 1 p.m. today, so we'll have full coverage of that. So keep it locked to Bucknuts 
for all of your National Signing Day coverage. Thanks again to the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale, and thank you to all listeners out there for tuning into the show. I really appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great National Signing Day. Let's try the Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.